This is the Brock Lurie Podcast. We're with Brock Lurie. This is going to be entertaining. You're going to like it. You're going to learn something. I'm Ari David, Brock Lurie's producer, and now I give to you Brock Lurie. Hey, Ari. Thanks a lot. You know, uh, it struck me the other day how interesting it was, the combination, or the, I guess the comparison between those things that we must do as a parent and uh, and how we ought to view our legal obligations or how we deal with other people as well. There are so many similarities, and it's funny. We were just talking about this before, Ari, how, how similar they are in life. So, look, I'm the proud parent of three kids, and uh, I think I'm a pretty, pretty good parent, actually, and I really enjoy the parenting part of it. And as I'm dealing with parenting, it began to dawn on me how similar it was and how we really should view our, our legal interactions the same way. What do I mean by that? Example, um, you have um, uh, you know, you have somebody who's uh, not treating you very well in your business or a business partner, and uh, you want to make sure to clarify what the roles are of the uh, you know between you and him. Now you could do it many different ways, right? You could say, I mean, give me an example, Ari. What would you do if, if somebody was uh, you get a partner in your business and and you felt that he was uh, well, just not handling things right? He was taking more than his fair share. Um. Probably in stages, first talk to them about it, mm -hmm. uh, then take uh, a form of action right. uh, mm -hmm. resulting in anything from a, a warning to total dismissal and right. then follow through with whatever, whatever contractual obligations needed to enforce that uh, right. piece of action. Right, right. Um, now, let's. I'm going to have a similar question. What if you saw your child say five, seven years old, uh, taking something that he should not be taking away from your other child's uh, plate, for example. What would you say in that case? Um, should I, should I um, sanitize this reaction <laughs> and pretend that I, my reaction is my wife's reaction, which is always perfect, or should I just say my reaction, which is, oh, give that back to your sister. <laughs> uh, you know? Well, here's, here's what you, know, you would say normally. It's like, you know, Johnny? That wasn't right. Put it right back. Now go up to your room. Right? That's, that's really a clean way of handling it. You're being very firm in that circumstance, and you're laying down the law, as it were. The same thing has to happen when you're dealing with that partner that I just talked to you about. You go to him and say, John, I assume you don't call him Johnny, uh, but John, um, I see that you've been taking more than your fair share. That's unacceptable. If you do it again, we're not going to be partners anymore. Do, you, do we have an understanding here, John? And John will either pout or he'll deny or whatever it is, but that is the tone that you have to develop. That's the first stage. And after that, well, you take it from a case-by-case -case basis. There are many ways. Uh, so in other words, laying down the law is a very important aspect of dealing with your partners, dealing with your customers for that matter, dealing with your clients, as the case may be. Uh, I, I know that uh, with my clients, I have a very good relationship. Um, and, and part of the reason why is because I make it very clear to them what I expect out of them. Too often it's about what clients expect out of a lawyer, but I also expect something out of them. I tell them very clearly, look, we're a business. Uh, we do expect to get paid. That's part of it. We'll provide you with excellent service, but you have to pay us at the same time. Most of you listening uh, have some sort of business or the, can appreciate what business is all about, and you know that if you have a business, you expect to get paid, right? Is that fair? Oh, that's why I 
That's why anyone does. That's why I work. And that's exactly right. You got to do it. Um, Now, and and if you don't, if you don't fight for yourself and make it very clear for yourself, then you don't deserve to be in business in the first place. You have to understand that talking that way and being very clear about the boundaries is uh, where it's at. And boundaries is the next subtopic that I want to talk about. But before I go there, um, I also have some tenants. I have a separate business uh, where I own, own some uh, properties. And I've had uh, tenants now for nine years or so in our four different various townhouses. I've never had to evict one. Never. And I've had many ch- many changes. I mean, and people move off to, to buy a home or whatever it might be. And you may ask, how is that possible? Never had to evict one. Everyone's told me that you'll have to evict at least once a year. Here's how. I tell them before they even move in, before they even sign the lease, I say, look, you'll find me to be a very easygoing landlord. I'm a peachable landlord. You have a problem, I'll be there. We'll fix it the next day or as soon as possible. We are very responsive. But I expect only one thing from you. What's that, Mr. Lurie? I expect the rent to be paid on time. And that means the first of the month. And I'm telling you, if you don't pay on the first of the month, you will see a three-day notice on the second. Is that fair? And they say, oh, that's, that's totally fair. And I say, I don't, I don't need to explain to you the reason why. But that's what's going to happen. By golly, once in a blue moon, somebody doesn't pay on the first. And most landlords would say, well, you know, give them more time. Uh, I'm sure he just forgot, and then he'll remember to pay on the third, or the fifth, or the fifteenth. And soon you're very frustrated as a landlord. Not me. If it's not there on the first, I follow through my, my promise to them. And they get a three-day notice on their door the next day. And don't you know I get paid that moment? And they apologize profusely. And they don't forget the next month. It's too embarrassing for them. So that's the deal. I set boundaries for them, and everyone's happy. Good fences make good neighbors. It's another topic. But the same thing is true with your kids. Boundaries. Kids love boundaries, right? You're, you're, you're a parent of two kids, right? If, uh, if you didn't give them any boundaries at all, didn't tell them that they have to go to bed at a certain point, and get, told them they can eat whatever they wanted and everything, sounds like a child's dream, right? But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a miserable experience for them. They want boundaries, really badly. So you give them the boundaries. You tell them, uh, Sally will call your daughter, Sally, you, uh, you need to go to bed. And it's 8 o'clock. Why? Why? Because I said so. That's it. And then they know that you're, you're looking out. You've got their back. And you'll wake them up for the morning to go to school. You'll pack up their lunch. You'll make sure the lunch has, is good food, good quality. And they, they understand it intuitively that they need to take care of themselves. They need to be good, good citizens and everything else. And you, as the parent, provide those boundaries. So, well, one question about that. Do the, is the reason because the boundaries make them feel safe? Yes. The same way that the three-day notice actually makes the tenant feel safe is it makes the tenant feel like, on a certain level, that you're attentive to right. their behavior. And thus, although you're there to you know bring a stick when their behavior was not good, right. you're also there to help them when they need help. Right. Failing I, plumbing, electrical issues, that's etc. Exactly. You give them the notion, the comfort, that someone is in charge. If you're not in charge of taking your own money, getting your own money and your rent, then how can you be very good and responsible when it comes to a real problem in the, in the house? 
I mean, people really want to feel secure in the houses. So they want to know that there's a, there's a, there's a landlord who's in charge. And so it is with, with parents, uh, with, uh, with kids and their parents. If you look at any bratty kid, you show me a bratty kid and I'll show you a parent who's out of control. Or a parent can, cannot have control over his kids. That's what's, ha that's what's happening. The kid resents the parent because the parent is not guiding him. That's what's happening. Yeah. Um, I see all the time in the, in the playground. Um, usually it's mothers for some reason. Um, the kid does something bad and, and, uh, and then the mother says, well, do you understand that there are consequences to that, Charlie? Or we're not using our words right. You're making bad choices. I hear that all the time, and that's just garbage. Okay, and the kids just laugh at you. Yeah, they don't. First of all, they don't understand what you're talking to them about. Yeah, so my wife and I, over and over again, when we take our kids to the park and we encounter a bratty kid, and uh, from our experience, it's also been mothers because, in, in the cases we've seen, the mother will threaten a punishment and not follow through with it. That's right. Oh. And then the kid knows there's no consequence. That's exactly right. Consequences are so critical, and, and, and they will be critical in life, too. I mean, if you, if you act like a jerk to a, a prospective client, for example, guess what? You're no not going to get the client. Right. No client, right? Yeah. That's the consequence. Yeah, and good for them. Yeah. There's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you may think that uh, having consequences is somehow, you know, it, it's, a, it's a treating someone like a child. But the reality is we deal with consequences. I just proved it. Uh, we deal with consequences constantly. So might as well get them used to the notion of consequences. Uh, and chess, by the way, is great for that purpose, but we'll, we'll have another time with that. I think you've done a six-part series about that I somewhere. sure have. Yeah, very good. My video. Good watching. Thank you very much. Uh, there are many different elements to it. But consequences are certainly a very key part of that, and uh, kids need to know about consequences. So look, you know, you're dealing with a, a business, and uh, so many times people come to me now because there's a problem, and they say, okay, well... Bob and I entered into a partnership agreement. It was an oral partnership, and that's just the way we did business. And I said, that sounds great, but you know, here you are. <laughs> you didn't lay down the basic rules of the game. You just need to lay it out. Make it very clear. Here's what happens if we have a problem. Here's what our respective shares will be. Um, if there's a dispute, you know, this person will be responsible for handling that dispute. You need to take care of that. It doesn't need to be a 50-page partnership agreement, but it should probably be a five-page agreement uh, with some big basics there. And it just it should be there because so that each partner knows that there's a governing, in charge, there's that phrase again, in charge document that basically dictates the understanding between the parties. If you don't have that, then it's too tempting for one of the partners to simply say, well, it's just an oral agreement and there's no specific rule that I have to obey or, or follow. So, uh, you know, I think this is right for me now. So I'm going to take this and I need the money. I'll pay it back. I mean, a lot of, a lot of hanky panky can start happening as a result of a lack of boundaries. That sounds also like one of your other YouTube videos about getting things in writing. Yes, getting things in writing is just one of, one of the many things that need to be done to understand boundaries, to make things clear. It's a tool. Writing is a tool. But you also have to act the right way. I mean, I have legal services agreement. Most, most attorneys have legal services agreements or, or what we call retainer agreements with their clients. And that's nice. <clears throat> but they never explain what it is. And the relationship constantly is shifting all the time. And, and I tell young attorneys especially, you need to stick by what you agree to. 
And if you don't, not only will the client not respect you, but the client will use it against you later on. It's, it's not a good thing. So stick with it. And if you can't stick with it, then don't write, write it down. Um, and moreover, the, the client will respect you uh, more than anything else. He'll, he'll understand that yeah. if you're fighting for yourself, then you'll fight for him. It's a very important thing. So that's how I, I view it. I, I think that uh, the way we view parenting, we should employ a lot of what we see in parenting to the way we interact with other people throughout the day, whether it's uh, our, our friends even. Uh, they're, they're, you know, we have understandings with our friends of the way things should be done. Um, you, you shouldn't tolerate a friend who's constantly late, for example, right? We all have that friend. Um, but at some point, you guys. I'm say, usually that friend. Okay, so thanks. Well, but you're not. You're not. I mean, we often have meetings, and and you come by, and you're, this you're, is work, not friendship. I see. Though, so there's a. Well, I'm telling you, your friend, you know. the friend that you're doing that to, resents it and is yeah. unhappy with you for for doing so. My wife used to have that problem. God bless her. She's a wonderful lady. She used to have the problem until I explained to her that the effect that she was uh, creating to her friends, and she thought, well, my friends are my friends, and they should understand that this is just me and. And I said, they, they, you can believe that all you want. They don't like it. <clears throat> right. And they are very unhappy with you for it. And it, it suggests that you think your time is more important than theirs. Uh, so do you think that um, most people, because there's this great analog you're creating here between legal conduct or conduct within the legal profession. Right. Just basic um, uh, casual reality conduct, whether it's professional or personal relationships. And then the analogy or analog to child right. raising, too. Uh, most people do the first two quite easily or mm -hmm. quite uh, on a regular basis with competence. Why do you think that uh, child, child rearing is so much more difficult if the skill sets are relatively similar to what people are used to doing in mm. the rest of their life? It's a great question. A great question, and I have a very simple answer for it. The reason why is that child rearing didn't used to be so hard. Um, I remember, do you remember the movie Parenthood? It was a Ron Howard movie. I think it's a TV series now, but not based upon that same movie. Parenthood, I think it came out in early 90s or or maybe the late 80s. Do you remember that? Is that the like, with with Steve, Steve Martin? Martin? Yeah, yeah, Steve Martin. And it was a very funny movie, and it was very sweet in many ways. And I was young enough. I remember maybe 13 or 14, and my uh, my dad, I saw it with my dad. My dad came out of the movie, and he said to me, he goes, it was a funny movie, but I got to tell you, it was ridiculous. Uh, you know, it made parenthood uh, seem so complicated and so complex. And he goes, you know, it's really not that way. It's a lot simpler than, than this movie is suggesting. And I thought to myself as a young boy, like, oh, dad, you don't, you know, you are just being simplistic. And uh, now I appreciate his words. He was right. It was silly. That movie was, it was funny, but it was silly um, because it was making parenthood a lot more complex than it should be. Here's why, and this is answering your question. We've, we've come to become a society where the kids are front and center. Everything they do is wonderful, and we clap for everything they do. All their, their feelings are all that matter. Our feelings take a back, back burner position. Um, it's, it's madness. It should be the complete reverse. Um, the parents should be, I mean, after all, you, you lived on the planet a lot longer. You're working hard. You're making the money for the, 
for the for the survival of the, the family. The Bible says, "Honor thy mother and father, not exactly. honor thy kids." That's exactly right. <laughs> Little ingrates. Yeah, there's Father's Day and Mother's Day. There's not Children's Day. Yeah. Um, Except in communist countries. But <clears throat> exactly that's a right. Different yeah. Subject. But we digress. Yeah. The point is that um, you know we we are uh, we're the parents, and and by golly, we deserve this. We we have seniority. Thank you very much, and we should get some goodies associated with that. Yeah. And that means. Um, you know, no crap from the kids. Right. Really. I mean, <laughs> I mean honestly, t- 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 that's the way it should be. And the kids like it. That's the funny thing. <clears throat> the more you lay down the law with the kids, <coughs> the more they, they really appreciate you. They, they love you for it. They thank you for it. And they can't wait to get your approval. And instead, like in parenthood and otherwise, it's all about the kid, the kid, the kid. And it, does this please you? No, I hate this movie. Oh, how about this movie, Johnny? You know, DVDs, let's say. Uh, no, that sucks. You suck, mommy. Like, oh, uh, why, why are you saying that? You, that? Those are not such nice words. That, that doesn't make me feel so good. Oh, give a crap how you feel, mommy. That's the, the normal conversation. The kid just will just take you to town. He's not developed yet. You need to develop him. And life, life is just a lot easier that way, too. So that's the reason why. Because our whole culture has shifted to just assume that the kid is paramount and and uh, self-esteem movement, crap, all that stuff, that they're number one, and everything they say is, is so golden and wonderful. And it's okay to tell your child when he brings you some artwork that's actually crappy to say, because you should know where your child is art-wise, right? Yeah. And if you see a line down the page, you say, uh, Johnny, I think you can do better than that. Nothing wrong with saying that. You would say it to your to your colleague in, at work, right? Yeah. If, if, if one of my associates came <clears throat> and, they, and they gave me a bunch of garbage on an, an illegal argument and expecting me to change it from there, I would simply say, you know, David, I think we do a lot better than this. I, I really don't like this. This is not good. So please start. Do it again. So it's almost like a, a sense of misplaced esteem yeah, or a, a, a misplaced level of respect the children are receiving that is overcomplicating the emotional relationship between parents and children at this point, or something like that that you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's, uh, I, I mean, you are say- not talking <clears throat> when a colleague brings you substandard work that you treat them with disdain or a rudely. No, in not at all. Their no, work. You you're simple, be- it's simply a firm, but, you know, respectful, uh, we need better than this. That's right. Go do it. Right, and when your child comes to you and, and he, start, he starts uh, having, not a tantrum, but they start, because my kids just don't have tantrums. I don't even know what a tantrum is. From a kid. I see it from other parents, but not not my family. Thank you very much. Oh, lucky you! No, I, no, it, it was hard work. It's hard work, yeah. and I, they just don't tantrum. Um, but like you know, sometimes my son will kind of did just they, kind did, of kind of kind of say silly things in the car, yeah. and and kind of do a repeat of the same word. <clears throat> and I simply talked talk to him, and I said, you know, Max, do you think that I enjoy listening to you say that? Or, and he goes, I guess not. It's okay, so let's maybe not do that. Yeah. Did they ever have temper tantrums or, you know, two or three-year-old? Not in front of, not in front of me. In front of my wife, apparently. She yeah. tells me that, that uh, my son once or twice had a meltdown, but she, he doesn't have them anymore at all. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, because my kids will occasionally have those, but it's when they're at a point where you can tell there's a physiological component to it. They're too tired. Right. They've had enough. They've been in the car too long. You know, it's... Uh, an, an input issue. They're receiving an input that they mm-hmm. don't have the capacity to assimilate at that point. Right. They, they can. Um, Which is, in effect, something we're doing to them. That's right. <laughs> Maybe too much, too much stuff going on. That's possible. Yeah. Um, but, but we can get into that in another day. 
Uh, and I have some thoughts about that from a dietary point of view too, but let's not digress too much because I want to I want to be able to hit home this one point. I took my son Max to uh, overseas. It was just a, a daddy son thing, and it was very funny. One of the one of my friends said, "Are you crazy? <laughs> you're going to take your son overseas and you're going to spend every minute of the day with him for 12 days." Yeah, uh, I said, uh, "Yeah." And he goes, "That sounds like hell to me." He said, and I said, sounds like heaven to me. He's one of my best friends, and I just love this kid, and he's so fun, and he's always inquisitive and interesting. Did the friend who was saying that uh, have kids? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, to him, it was a nightmare. The, con the, the oh. very concept of taking his and only being with him alone the entire for 12 days without respite, without any reprieve, it was a nightmare to him. He knew it was going to be a nightmare. Uh, it didn't even enter my mind that my son would have a tantrum. Uh, express any disappointment, complain, or argue with me. Or have anything less than a great time with his best friend in the That's world, exactly his daddy. Right. And by golly, we had just the best time. Yeah. And Max keeps on talking about it. He wants to do the exact same trip. He wants to do other trips. And we had a great time, and I want to do it with him. And he's just a great kid. Which is also something <clears throat> fathers and sons have felt, or parents and children have felt like, yeah. you know, traditionally until very recently. This, this, this is what I signed up for. Yeah. I, I wanted kids because I wanted kids. Right. I, I didn't want. I, I. I mean, some some parents out there have p kids, not really knowing why they want to have kids. That they, they, I guess they. they no, they're, they're raised by staff. Uh, when we yeah. when we lived in Malibu and we'd uh, see these crazy kids running around, they're raised by housekeepers and nannies. They never yeah. get face. They're lucky if they have one meeting for half an hour a week with FaceTime with the CEO of yeah. the family. You know, very right. unhealthy. Uh, <clears throat> the Mormons have a very good expression for this, and it's something I never forgot. Um, Famous line from one of their past presidents. He said, No success in business justifies a failure as a father. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I, I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> your parent your kids will will never remember, never, that you did a great movie, that you directed a great movie, that you won a summer judgment motion in court. Uh, that you landed that great big client and made a lot of money for your company, they won't ever remember that. They'll remember whether or not you were at home, and whether or not you yeah. were nice to them, and whether or not you played Monopoly with them, whether you played catch with them. That's what they remember. Yeah. And you know what? You're you're on the planet for only so long. Guess what? You'll make enough money. Don't worry. Just be a good dad, and uh, and the great things can happen. And then you'll have and, and the process you make great human beings. So. I think that that really, you know, to bring it all back to business, you know, that's the way you got to talk to your your colleagues, to your your associates, to the people who work for you. Yeah, because you never would say to a client or a colleague, "Hold on a minute, Daddy has right. to finish this." That's it's, exactly right. Oh, it's, oh no, that can wait. What do you want, sir? That's yeah, right. Absolutely, we need yeah. we need something. Yes, right. You focus on their needs, but at the same time, make them understand that you have your needs. How many times have you had a client, for example, Ari, and uh, that you should be saying this if you don't say it. You say, look, uh, we're business too. It has to make sense for us. Right? Okay. The father and the parent gets to say the same thing. Look, you're my child, um, but you're under my roof at this point, and you need to be nice. And if you're not nice, we have a problem here. Same thing. Yeah. Do you see all the corollaries that we're talking about? That, that's really the main mission of this podcast. I, I really want to... I see comparisons that maybe other people don't see. I'm, I'm pretty good about this. 
Um, I've been lucky. I'm the son of a political cartoonist, and I see these metaphors and analogies and similes all the time. But that's one thing that uh, I would really recommend people start to think about. Think about, on the business side, how you would react if it were a child in terms of how you properly raise them, and vice versa. In parenting, think about how their needs has to be equal. Anyway, Ari, a pleasure as always. We will call this the end of the Lurie Law Minute. Well, it was fantastic hearing from you today, Barack. And uh, until the next time, we bid you all adieu. <laughs>